0: Trigger warning The Resilience Project provides an open space for people to share their personal experiences. Some content in this podcast may include topics that you may find difficult. The listener's discretion is advised. Hello, friends. Welcome to Radical Resilience, a weekly show where I, Blair Kaplan Venables, have inspirational conversations with people who have survived life's most challenging times. We all have the ability to be resilient and bounce forward from a difficult experience. And these conversations prove just that. Get ready to dive into these life-changing moments while strengthening your resilience muscle and getting raw and real. Welcome back to another episode of Radical Resilience. I'm Blair Kaplan Venables, and I'm here with a very, very special human. Not only is she a social worker, not only is she witty as heck, she's my sister, Alana. You may recognize her from the second episode of Radical Resilience, where her and I had a conversation at the beginning of the pandemic. And wow my how have times changed especially for my sister and I not only is she my younger sister but she is the project manager for the global resilience project she has been a really important member of the team because she's the only member of the team besides me and she's helped me grow and we wanted to have a conversation just you know recorded because we have these conversations pretty much almost every day but it's really interesting because um it was about this time last year that we learned our mother had cancer and it was only a few weeks later that she passed away so we just want to talk about what our last year has been like because it's been fucking terrible <laughs> and you know what like we're reaching that age where we we have friends losing parents and out of my close group of friends i might have i'm Only a few of my friends have lost parents. Like I, at the time of recording this, I'm 36 years old and there was a lot of lessons learned and a lot of big changes made. And so here we are having a real conversation. Hi, Alana.
1: Hi, Blair.
0: Alana, I know like we've introduced you before in the other podcast, but you want to just give a little high level, like, who are you?
1: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I am Blair's younger sister as as known to most um, I am trained as a social worker and I work in children's mental health in Winnipeg Manitoba um, I also have my yoga teacher training which I don't really teach classes as much but I use it definitely in my work with clients and the reason I highlight that is because not only is it a tool for my clients but I use it as a tool for myself. And so I always have to remember that I am qualified um, to use yoga in these different ways, especially over the past year when, as my sister said, it's been a shit show. Okay.
0: So Alana, thank you. Oh my gosh. And like, you're so much more than just my younger sister. Like to a lot of people, I'm just your older sister. You are you. You're very special. You're hilarious. You're very smart. And you remember the smallest details. Like quick. What was I wearing on October 18th, 2008?
1: (laughs) 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 It's true. Like actually I wouldn't know because Blair was was living in Vancouver. 2008. 2008? When was my (laughs) birthday? 1998. Oh yeah. Right. Sorry.
0: Okay. Anyways, I'm bad at numbers. Um, scrap that. We're just going to move forward. Okay. So I was actually talking to someone the other day about our experience and growing up, our experience was different. Like you're like three and a half years younger, four grades apart. Mm-hmm. So we were always farther, far enough away in elementary and high school that we weren't really in the same circles in or like the same stages of life. And we didn't really get close till I moved away and you turned mm-hmm. 18, like till you became like a Canadian adult, <laughs> a Manitoban adult. Yeah. Um, but our parents divorced when I was seven and you were three mm-hmm. and I'm the older sister. And so I assumed a lot of responsibility and I quickly became extremely independent. And the difference between me and Alana, one of the biggest differences is I'm an extroverted extrovert and Alana is introverted, but when you get to know her, she is extroverted. So you, she's slow to warm takes a while, like, you know, to get to, to get in. And then when you're in, you're in and she'll FaceTime you every day. Well, no, she won't, but she will text you a lot. Will you do you text your friends a lot?
1: <laughs> so Blair, that's like saved for you. Okay. Um, no, I do text a lot. You won't get FaceTimes for me. I need to be prepared for FaceTimes with everyone except my sister. If you FaceTime me and um, you are not my sister or like one or two other people, <laughs> I'm just looking at it, not knowing what to do. Yeah.
0: Alana will answer in the bath but I will not anyways. So growing up, I like marched to the beat of my own drum. I still do very independent. And I was close with my mom, but in a different way, I felt like she was more like a sister and yes, she was my mom and like, you know, helped me through life and like was my mother. But I like to see us as like, she sometimes talked to me as if I was an adult. So we didn't have a typical mother daughter relationship. Um, because I just wanted to do my own thing. Where Alana and my mom were very, very close, like very mm-hmm. close. Would you say it's safe to say, like, codependent? You were codependent on her.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, was codependence. And actually, now that I, bringing it back to the Facetime, she's someone who I would just like Facetime all the time, especially, the first year of the pandemic. Um, but yeah, we definitely had a codependent relationship basically before. Any time I purchased anything. Or signed up for anything, I would let her know. And similarly, she well, she wouldn't do necessarily the same thing as me, but um yeah, she would like tell me what she would be doing. She'd be like, should I go? Should I not? Yeah. Very competent.
0: And when mom passed away, and like we'll we'll talk a bit about like the before experience, but I just want to bring this like to the beginning of the conversation. Alana said to me, this was my worst nightmare. This Mm -hmm. was my worst nightmare. It has come true. Our mom died. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that recently. And I realized that like in my mind, because my mother's mom, Baba Mm Ruthie, used to smoke like a chimney, loved her gambling. We used to drink, like did not take care of her health like did not like her favorite food was chicken fingers <laughs> and don't even know if she ate vegetables. Anyways, she lived till her nineties. So in my mind, my mom dying, wasn't even something that crossed my mind ever. I never once was like, I'm worried about my mom dying because my our mom was so healthy, like worked out. And like people thought she was like 10, 15 years younger than she was. Cause when she passed away, she was only 62. In fact, she had no wrinkles and her belly button was still pierced. And It's so bizarre because Alana's biggest fear was mom dying where I never crossed my mind. And so this Mm conversation is important because whether it is your biggest fear or it hasn't crossed your mind, it's going to happen. We just don't know when. And this whole time we've been preparing for our father to pass away. So our father lives with addiction. He's terminally ill. He's on a very slow exit stage left. Like I'm talking, he is holding on, not ready to go. And at, the, you know, at the time of our mom passing about a couple of weeks before she went into the hospital he was in the hospital and we thought that was it but he got kicked out of the hospital because he smoked a cigarette <laughs> in the bathroom. And like, he very, we have very different parents. <laughs> like they're very different from one another. And to this day, at the time of recording um, he's currently living in palliative care in a hospital and he's showing no signs of like immediate defeat. And it's funny because Alana and I are both extremely headstrong and I think we get it from our father because our mother, as soon as she was told your body is covered in cancer, all we can do is make you comfortable. You probably have a couple of weeks left. She mentally decided, I don't want to put my family through this. I don't want to ruin Alana's birthday. And a couple of days later in her sleep, she passed away. So mm-hmm. what was, okay. Alana knows the whole timeline. Can you walk us yeah. through this, the timeline? Because first sure, of all, yeah. Before you do that, um, the beginning of the timeline in November where stuff's kind of started, I didn't really know because I had a miscarriage and then three weeks later my father-in-law passed away. So a lot of stuff was kept away from me until December, until we got a weird text. So Lana, walk us through like, <laughs> and we're <laughs> laughing because it's like, like it's, you can't make this stuff up. Like my life, our life, it's been very mm. sad and traumatic, but. Also, Alana and I are really good at like finding the humor in it. And we've had some like really hilarious moments and lots of lessons learned. But Alana, take us through like the steps. From the,
1: November, like, from like the beginning? The beginning, yeah. Sure. So um, my mom told me, so she she withheld this information, Blair, for me because at this time, di- I would have to giggle just because like none of this is funny, but it's just, there's just been so much that has happened. So Blair had her miscarriage and her father-in-law at the time was sick. And so my mom, she kept, com- or our mom, she kept complaining about, oh, I have some stomach discomfort. That's how she wouldn't even call it a stomach ache. And after two weeks of, a stomach, of stomach discomfort, she decided to go to the doctor. And the doctor was like, maybe it's um, an ulcer or a hernia So he did some blood work and all that. She's still in pain, goes back in December. He realizes he missed testing her like pancreatic enzymes. I actually was just like looking at the text messages the other day. So it's even more fresh um, for me. And the pancreatic enzymes came back a bit high. So he decided to send her for an ultrasound. So January 22nd, 2021, Blair is correct. I I am very weird. Wait, Duke. you forgot about the text message in December. No, no it, was beginning, it was beginning of January. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. I shouldn't interrupt, Rewise. Alana. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was beginning of January. I think it was, I want to say like January 9th or 10th or something or 11th. We wake up to a text and it says, LOL, just got home from the ER. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, um, and and so at this point, Blair's starting to get clued in of what's happening, because I had told my mom, I'm like, don't be a hero, which is something Blair has recently told me. <laughs> um, don't be a hero if you are in pain. Go to the hospital. Like, they can give you medication. They can test. Like, move faster. And so we woke up to that text, and she actually had a doctor's appointment the next day. But so basically, at the hospital that time they basically were like, oh, maybe you have fatty liver disease um, and gave her the blood results. So she goes to the doctor the next day. Then the appointment for the ultrasound was on a Friday. It was January 22nd. She gets the results for that on the Monday. We, as a family are notorious for Googling. So it came back that there were these masses or she, what did she say? Like, I think it was like hepatic lesions or something. So, that whole week, Blair, me, and my mom are all separately Googling what's happening. She goes in for a CT scan on the next Friday, um, January 29th. Oh, this is just a side note, Blair. Come back to after I'm done the timeline. We should talk about hmm, my experience.
0: Okay, And my experience.
1: Yes. Don't okay. Worry. It's a little cliffhanger that you can just listen to me speak for the next little bit and then we'll come back to it. Um, so she goes in January 29th. Her friend was supposed to take her for the CT scan. And as she's ready, waiting to get picked up, she hears a car crash, hears ambulances. She's texting me as this is going on. i like, oh, my God, there's a car accident. And then she texted me two minutes later. Oh, my God, it was Debbie. Debbie's her friend from dental hygiene school who was going to take her. So she's freaked. My mom's freaking out because her ride to her CT scan just got into an accident and she heard. And then, so a neighbor took her. So immediately she told her doctor's office, I think before she went in for her CT scan, don't give me my results until I come in for an appointment because previously she would, she was getting her results and she would was leaving work because she was still fully working during this whole time. And then, um, so she gets the results, February 2nd, which was a Tuesday morning, um, that it was cancer. It was in her liver, in her stomach, in her stomach lining. It was all over the place, but they didn't know where the origins are. So at that point, she decided, well, the doctor decided that she couldn't work, but he was like, "You're you're a fighter. You can fight this." And my mom truly thought that, and we all truly thought that because she's gone through so much in her life and has fought so much. So as that weeks get going on, her pain is getting worse. It's almost like at this point, she's allowing herself to feel the pain that she's been kind of suppressing for the past couple of months. And then, um, at at the same time, she has a connection because it's still COVID. And so things are moving slower. So she used a connection to get into different doctor's appointments and blood, get blood work and all that. She was supposed to get all of these tests because at this point, no one knew when, where or when the cancer had started. And wait, sorry,
0: important is that they can't treat cancer unless they know what it is. And in order to know exactly what the cancer is, they have to do a biopsy.
1: Yes, Exactly. And so they were trying to, they were basically the plan was to poke and prod and do all these different tests and biopsies. February 9th was the day she was supposed to have these appointments, one with a surgeon. She wakes up. She can't breathe. She calls her neighbor over who was supposed to take her to the um, appointment and an ambulance is called and she's taken to the hospital. So this is now February 9th. She is admitted with lung clots and is in the hospital until February 14th. At this point, they are doing more tests, more biopsies, colonoscopies, like really just trying to figure out what, where did this start? She gets discharged on February 14th. At this point, Blair and I are both in Winnipeg and we had one of our favorite restaurants for dinner and we knew something was off because our mom wasn't really eating it. So the restaurant is highballed. It's this- great Chinese food restaurant she loves the wonton soup but she wasn't really eating it and as the week went on things were stable-ish at the beginning to the point where I was like I'm gonna fly back to Toronto I was still living in Toronto
0: I just want to put in here so Alana FaceTimes mom every, all the time but uh, and I did here and there in the last couple of FaceTimes to her she looked gray and I was like mom you don't look good you don't like you don't look healthy and when they let mom out of the hospital on Valentine's Day they shouldn't have let her out. She did not look good. There was a tumor pressing on like her vocal cords. And so she sounded like this and she was still in tons of pain. Like we don't know why they let her out, but they definitely should not because she looked very unwell. And so also between Alana deciding to go back and her getting out, there was a couple times where she said, I'm in a lot of pain. I think I need to go back to the hospital. And then we'd be like, okay, let's go. And then she'd be like, no, I don't, I don't want to. So we made it so Alana decided to go back and I work for myself so I decided to I'm just going to stay here indefinitely and like tell like tell we know what's going on
1: Mm -hmm. so I fly back on the Wednesday the 17th um and the next day Blair I FaceTime Blair and Blair shows me that mom's just kind of like lying on the couch not doing anything I think a friend this is the day that our one of my mom's old best friends came by to drop off soup and Blair invited her in to take a look. And then the next day, which was the Friday, my mom had a follow-up doctor's appointment. And so Blair, she tells Blair that morning, I want to be admitted to the hospital. So they So So she,
0: she actually had one more instance when you left where she's oh. like, I need to go to the ER and I rearranged my day. And I was like, let's pack a bag. And she's like, you know what? I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And that's when we made the doctor's appointment. And I was like, if you feel like you need to go to the ER one more time, I'm just, we're taking you. Yeah. She knew something wasn't right.
1: She knew. And there was like almost, it was like this push and pull of like, do I give in to this pain or do I just fight and hold on? And so sure enough, Friday, Blair takes her to her appointment. They decide she needs to be in the hospital, but it can't be the hospital that was near the appointment and it had to be another one that was across the city.
0: And the only reason, sorry, I'm going to because I was there. So I had the option of driving mom. So we were switching hospitals because the other hospital had the smallest wait time. And like, I think there was just like, it was a better, a better hospital for her to be at for what was happening. And the doctor's like, you can drive her or she can go in the ambulance. And at this point, the pain meds were not working for mom. And she's like, I need, I need the fentanyl. And our mom won't even, wouldn't even smoke weed. Like she like would have one smeared off ice and like she was piercing her belly button, like very low tolerance, didn't do drugs. <laughs> like she was in so much pain that like the, everything that like she had prescribed to her, even though she was increasing the dosage wasn't working. So she went by ambulance from one hospital to the other. And I looked at her and she looks at me and she goes, I really hope I get out. And I, died. I died. I said, I hope you do too. And I knew, I just knew looking at her that she probably wouldn't.
1: Mm -hmm. And so that day I booked a flight back to come in on the Sunday night and I was going to bring my cat because I decided I'd come indefinitely. I was like, I'm just going to be there. Like Blair was needing some support at this point because of these false alarms of my mom being like, I want to go to the hospital. No, I don't. Um, And so then Saturday happened and I wasn't there. So maybe this, the the day where.
0: Okay. Well, no. So the Friday she went in and then they called, the doctor called me. So this is what happened Mm
1: -hmm. because you
0: got in Friday late. So the Saturday, Saturday late, okay. Whatever day it was the day. No, I'm Oh yes. You're right. Okay. So Friday afternoon when mom was in the ER, the doctor called and basically let me know that her whole body was covered in her internal organs were all covered in tumors. Her liver was one big tumor and that all they can do was make her comfortable. And that that's probably why the pain meds been working and that they've identified that it is pancreatic cancer, but they couldn't officially diagnose her unless she had a biopsy. And I, I, like my head exploded. I I was like, wait, so she has like, she's dying and your jaw. You're just going to make her comfortable. They're like, yes. I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, how did that? And that escalated very quickly. I Mm -hmm. lost my shit. And so I decided to go, I asked the doctor, how long do you think she has? And they said probably two weeks. And so Alana was coming in the next day. So I thought I'm going to go, I'm going to go hang out with mom. And mom's like, don't come, come off Atlanta. You're going to need each other. I'm like, okay, no, no, I'm coming. <laughs> okay, I'm coming. So I, I went and hung out with mom and she did the whole typical, like very organized Sharon. And, you know, maybe later on in this series of podcasts, um, I'll read you the eulogy, but our mother was like the most organized person. And maybe that will be actually part two, because I think this podcast, this story is going to be broken into at least a couple parts. Mm-hmm. So I get to the hospital, mom's in the ER and she looks at me and like, I brought her ice cream and she had a couple bites and we just like hung out and like every so often she would like look, she was in so much pain and she was on pain meds. And she looked at me and she's like, and in her raspy voice like this, she was telling me like, okay, all of the passwords to all of my accounts are under the jewelry box. All of the numbers for all the insurance policies and who to contact are under the jewelry box. All the diamonds, like she had a bunch of like my grandma's and her grandma's like heirloom jewelry so like just if you're listening to this I don't have a bunch of diamonds but she made it sound very luxurious um or in the jewelry box under the window and like she was just like we never had these conversations I was like okay and so I was like where do you want to be buried (laughs) like we had a very like honest like I'm the older sister conversation like I'm the exec we in Atlanta were both executors of the estate but it was me and Mm -hmm. um you know she's she, she said you know, told us where, and she made some other requests that I, I'm not prepared to share just yet, but there's a funny story there. And, you know, like she, and I just talked about some logistics end of life, you know, every it'd be, I'd sit with her, she'd be sleeping and like snoring in her cute little angel way. And uh, like, you know, she open her eyes and look at me and be like, so what are you going to name your daughter? Just for you guys out there, I don't have kids and I'm probably not having kids. And like, just also, like, she was-
1: could we clarify, like, We both love our mom very much, but her snoring was not angelic in any way.
0: (laughs) I have videos of her snoring in the hospital, Lana, it's funny. I'll show. I'll send that with you. But anyways, and you know, like the nurse would come in and be like, I can tell you're a cool mom because you have your belly button pierced. I'm like, she was a cool mom. Like we had a really cool mom. And if you're listening to this and you know her, she was rad and like, I, you know, like I was a rebel without a cause, but like I did pretty good in school. You know, I'm a B plus student and like showed up and didn't skip and never got arrested. And yeah, I had fun and I was wild, but like my mom always knew where I was. And I like, you know, I wasn't like a shithead and Alana, I paved the way for basically everyone in my family. Cause I'm the oldest grandchild and oldest cousin. Well, sort of the oldest cousin. There's one other one in Toronto anyways. And we hung out and she looked at me and she's like, you and Alana really need to be together. And like, you're the older sister and this is going to be really difficult for you. And she just kept saying like, I don't want to ruin Alana's birthday. So this is February. Alana's birthday is March 9th. She's like, I don't want to die on Alana's birthday. (laughs) Like you're not going to die on Alana's birthday. You're not going to die on Alana's birthday. And then Alana came in and then, and then, so now Alana and I are together and mom has moved from, she's moved from the ER into a room in like, I don't know what the unit's called, but like a lot of people in palliative care go to this unit where there's like, it's like a mixed medical unit in the hospital, but she did not have her own room. (laughs) And it was, it was really interesting. So basically, Alana, I'm going to pass the story back to you because now you're with me.
1: Yes. So now I'm with you. I get in Saturday night, close to midnight and so Sunday morning, we are spending the day at the hospital. Um, we had to really find the humor in it. I mean, it's not hard for our family to find the humor in things. Like I would say, we're a pretty giggly bunch of people. And so my mom had this roommate. We're not going to say her name, but she was very old. She, I actually, she, Uh, Fun fact about me, I uh, look at the obituaries every day to see if uh, this person is still alive because she was also in palliative and she is still alive to my knowledge. Um, And we, so she has this roommate who it's just like, she's also on pain medication. She
0: has hearing aids and they kept falling out so she couldn't hear. So she was very loud.
1: She was very loud. She just really wanted her son to be there. And so, like, she was, she would say some funny stuff. Um, and so that helped me and Blair. Wait, she kept like, mom would be sleeping and like the neighbor would would say something
0: really ridiculous, and mom would like open up her eyes and roll her eyes and roll be like, her oh. eyes. Yeah, she would yeah. roll her eyes. So, like, even like our mom was like when she would wake up, was humorous about it. Yeah. It and was, she
1: also yeah. <laughs> Like, so this other roommate was much older and so didn't have a cell phone. So I I don't know if you remember back in the 90s, if you've ever had to deal with being in the hospital, you would have to pay for a room phone. And so I guess this is what the roommate did. And so I have this distinct memory of, of the phone ringing and mom being like, I can't talk. We're like, this isn't your phone. <laughs> this isn't this isn't for you. Like you have your cell phone right here. And um so we found these humorous moments. Another one, and I and I think it's important to highlight these humorous moments just because it helped us get through these really difficult days. So another humorous moment. Um so backstory, my mom, our mom didn't love bananas because they gave her heartburn um she would always say that like like whenever I'd come into Winnipeg, she'd buy bananas but I'd be the only one to eat them and if I didn't eat them she'd be like well I can't eat them they give me heartburn so um we we were we brought snacks because we were camping out there for hours like we literally would wake
0: up be at the hospital all day sometimes take a break and go back and like leave like at night
1: Mm-hmm. And the only reason we would take a break is
0: because you we went to check on like the cats. And because like, um, my, my mom's brother and sister-in-law would come visit too. And we can only have,
1: right. Right. Because of COVID. So I'm eating a banana and Blair who, who might not have known the backstory about the bananas and the heartburn is like offer. She was like, why don't you offer mom some? I'm like, no, no, no. She won't want any. She'll, she hates bananas to give her heartburn," and with like the biggest eyes possible because my mom couldn't speak, gave me like the dirtiest look. Like, how dare you say I don't like bananas? And so I'm like, what, do you want a piece? And she nodded. So we gave her a piece of banana. I guess when you're dying of cancer, it doesn't matter if it gives you heartburn. I think that was the last,
0: the last thing she ate was a banana.
1: I think that so. Piece.
0: So, okay. So now she's been in the hospital for a couple of days. The um, second day, me and Alana are together at the hospital. She's basically sleeping the entire time. Mm-hmm. And my gut was telling me like that was probably one of her last days. And I remember we spent the day with her. She mostly slept the entire day. Like she did sleep the entire day. We got there and she was a little awake, but she slept the entire day. We left around nine and we got a call. I got a call at one and Alana was in a very deep sleep.
1: Should we, sorry to interrupt, should we just tell them?
0: Well, it's up to you what you want to disclose about what. So um, I use CBD for my anxiety, CBD oil, and I was prescribed um, a nighttime oil that has THC, but I wasn't taking the nighttime oil because I had this fear of being called in the middle of the night and not hearing my phone. Like I had a fear of like the hospital calling me. So, but Alana to help her manage her anxiety was taking a small amount it would knock her out
1: and because I wasn't sleeping
0: she wasn't sleeping and so at 1 30 in the morning my phone rings and it's the nurse saying your mother's breath is labored we want to call the family in and it felt like my head exploded. Like I like, it's like all the blood rushed to my brain. It felt like my brain was exploding. I like freaked out, called our aunt and uncle to pick us up. I, I wake Alana up. I was like, my head's exploding. We gotta go. It's happening. It's happening. And Alana is like in her deep sleep from her medicine. And she's like, what's happening? I don't get it. I'm like, just get dressed. And so like this kept happening. And it's probably good that you had that like thing to take the edge off. And so we like run out in the middle of the street. Our aunt and uncle like barely even stopped the car. We hopped in, got to the hospital and we were like just the high level. It was a very intimate and like death isn't great, but it was a very beautiful passing on. Um, We got to her room and it was me and Alana, my uncle, Stuart, my auntie Shira. We were all holding our mother, me and Alana were each on one side of her and we were all holding hands and we were together when she took her last breath and her eyes were closed. She took her last breath, looked at Alana and a tear rolled out of her eye. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, you know, like a very beautiful moment in a very terrible time, but we got to be together. But then we had to now deal with the fact that our mother died mm-hmm. and it was fucking hard. Um you know what, why don't we talk about this in next week's episode? Okay. So we're going to tune back in. Yeah. Thank you for joining me to part one of how, I don't know, this is, I mean, forever it's going to be part like a hundred, but no, Mm -hmm. not for you guys in the listening land, but so this was everything that was leading up to a mother passing away and the experience. So, um, we want to invite you to listen to next week's episode where we talk about what happened next. And this is really important because we learn a lot of lessons. We learn a lot of really important lessons of what you can do now while you're alive to help your people in your life when you're gone, but also like how to support one another, because I, again, never thought oh, my mom's going to die. Like I knew one day, I thought in like many, many years, but I, it was not anything that crossed my mind. And we did a lot of lessons and I've really learned that a way for me to heal is to turn my pain into purpose. And I bring Alana along for that ride and she shares what she's comfortable with. Um, But we want to share with you what our life was like after our mother died, the things we did and what the past year has been like for us as we come up to the one year angelversary of our mother. So -hmm. thank you for tuning in to this episode. Oh, Alana wants to say something.
1: One more thing. And another thing, because we alluded to this earlier. So I think it's important we come back to our experiences with oh, right. our body as our mom was getting sick.
0: We'll talk about that next week. Let's we'll talk about that. Next yeah. Week. Why don't we, we'll start off next week's episode with that. So it's right. really interesting about how connected we are to Our parents and our mother, especially because we literally are connected to our mother in the womb. And we've done a lot of learning about everything since then. There's been a lot of in hindsight realizations. So thank you for tuning into this episode of Radical Resilience. I'm Blair Kaplan Venables here with Alana Kaplan, and we'll talk to you next week. And remember, you are resilient. It's okay to not be okay. You got this. That's a wrap for another episode of Radical Resilience you feel inspired by this episode you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player and connect with us to join the conversation at iamresilient.info remember it's okay to not be okay and you my friend are resilient radical resilience is a podcast created by the resilience project